0: There are Takata airbags in most of the vehicles, but they're not not in all of. They're not worried about all of them just exploding without any impact. They're trying to get all of the Takata airbags uh, switched out, but they're prioritizing the ones that they think are most at risk. And this is very limited. This is for 2003, 2004 Corollas and Corolla Matrixes uh, okay. and 2004 to 2005 Rav4s. So it's a small group. It's 50,000 vehicles. Yeah. But um, but these are really. These are the ones that they're particularly concerned will just explode. Mm-hmm. Um, and like I said, there have been a number of deaths. Um, I think there's been 26 people actually killed. Jesus. Um, yeah. And over 400 that have been seriously injured.
1: Prioritizing, profit. prioritizing, prioritizing, pro- dangerous
0: drug and product cases.
1: Welcome back. Another episode. Uh, Another week, another episode. Prioritizing (laughs) profits, dangerous drug and product cases. How's your weekend? How are you feeling today?
0: Good, good. A little tired. A little tired. I feel like we're getting a little bit of a late start, but uh, I'm going to get energized here because we have lots of fun things to talk about
1: yeah yeah, a little bit of a late start. I feel like recently we've been getting more more late starts. Yeah, yeah. Um, to be fair, I think it's on both of us. <laughs> uh, on some true, days true. I'll get here on time, but the dogs are still here and then some days the dogs get picked up early and then uh, getting out of Phoenix can be chaos.
0: Yeah, no blame, no blame just uh, you know getting that second wind. Um, but all good. we had a good weekend. Um, took a little
1: road trip to Bisbee. Bisbee, how far is that?
0: It's, well, well. we went from Senoida, and so it's about an hour drive, maybe 45 minutes to an hour. It's nothing. Yeah, it's not bad. It's just like just past Tombstone, if you go that route. Yeah. So have you guys been to Bisbee?
1: Not Bisbee. Tombstone, though, I used to go yeah. as a kid a good amount because they have that like uh, Wild West shootout.
0: Yeah, the thing. shootout at the OK Corral. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. Do they still do that?
0: Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, I gotta, <laughs> over I gotta, and over and over again.
1: <laughs> I got to take Christina there. That was a blast. I loved it really? when I was a kid. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure it's not as good as I remember it, but. Uh, When I was younger, I remember being like, holy shit, this is crazy.
0: Yeah. Well, a lot of people think it's a little bit hokey, you know, because they're shooting obviously blanks and um, acting it out and everything, but, um, you know, it's... yeah, if Christina hasn't gone, you guys should do that. It'll be, it's, it's, it's a fun thing.
1: So you guys went to Bisbee. Was there a special Bisbee. occasion, a reason for it?
0: No, we just kind of felt like taking a little bit of a road trip. Um, took the dogs out for a walk the day before. Um, so it was Sunday. And, you know, it's just a cool little town. It's like an old copper mining town. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and you can take a tour of the mine, which I've always wanted to do, but I can't because Peter is claustrophobic. And so he's like, well, I would just have to sit in a bar while you go do that.
1: That uh, doesn't sound half bad either. <laughs> so oh, I don't no. know. I'd
0: like to go sometime when somebody would go in the mine tour with me. Cause I think that'd be pretty interesting.
1: Yeah. I don't think I could do that either. I'm not claustrophobic, but it's just, and it's the same thing with, you know, people, you don't have to have a phobia about heights to not want to like hang off an edge. You know, it's, it's oh just, yeah, and I mean, you don't got to be claustrophobic. I not want to go deep underground in a in a tunnel.
0: <laughs> well, I mean, I think this is very safe. It's not like in the old days where people were actually mining and it was like caving in on them and everything. I don't know, <laughs> kind of. Obsessed with the whole idea of it.
1: It's... Have you seen the the clips of people that do the deep cave? Uh, oh, the
0: spelunking stuff. Yeah,
1: yeah, that is insane.
0: Yeah, I don't like that.
1: I know uh, where it's just like they gotta suck in and oh, they God. inch along with their toes pushing along while they're just squeezed between. Yeah, that's that's psychotic. But
0: yeah, I mean, I I'm not particularly claustrophobic, but I would be in that situation. Plus, that you don't know what the heck is around the next corner and.
1: Well, I think they usually go into tunnels that have been already explored but there's always the first person so, so. <laughs> to find
0: the monster yeah
1: yeah uh anyways that sounds like a really good time you guys obviously brought the dogs up did you do any hiking did you get a
0: well no we, we just it was a day trip from Sonoida oh. so we left the dogs um you know they're not really that fit for human consumption in public and you know, plus that you can't go into like little shops and everything or have lunch with with them and they're
1: not fit for human consumption <laughs> <laughs> I uh, almost took that as like, <laughs> there's some uh, quiz, special cuisine down at oh. Bisbee.
0: <laughs> no, you know, they, I mean, they do okay in certain circumstances, but it's like this little old town with kind of narrow roads and you know I mean they just they're not the best dogs for interacting with other dogs and strangers so
1: that's fair that's fair
0: yeah yeah so they had to stay home that's the thing we tell them when we leave we're like if you would behave better you would get to go and do more things as long
1: as you explain it to them I don't think yeah, it's they'd anything
0: say, we they do no we opt out, you know we would prefer to, to be monsters and be left at home on occasion well,
1: there's trade-offs to everything they will
0: not change their ways double episode. <laughs> how about you what did you do for the weekend
1: Um, nothing too much it was Christina's Family friend, cousin, I don't know. They have a lot of like distant relatives, but everyone's kind of in that local area. So every family event has everyone. Yeah, yeah. Um, it was her cousin's or family friend's baby shower. Oh, okay. Which is pretty big deal in the Vietnamese culture. Um, so there's a lot of people there, a lot of delicious food. I wasn't super hungry, but it did look absolutely amazing. It's the usual stuff when I'm there. Um, I did drink a little which I know last time I said I was trying to take a step back, which I, I, I am, I am, you know, I wasn't really planning on it, but when it's social events and family events, like I love being at our families. I love everyone there. It's a good time. Yeah. It's comfortable, but at the same time, it's just social situations in general, right? Like it doesn't necessarily matter who or who you're with or what, where it is. Uh, when it's a large group of people, right, you can get a little bit of that, uh, social anxiety. So, um, some of her family wanted to get alcohol because there wasn't um, enough there. That wasn't what they were looking for. So I offered to drive them, and I drove over there, and I wasn't going to get anything. But then we walked past the Tall Boy aisle, and I saw the Twisted Teas. Have you have you seen the Twisted Teas? Well,
0: you have some of them here, and yeah, actually in the outside. Yeah, I haven't had them.
1: They're delicious, delicious. They're just like hard uh, iced tea lemonade mixes. Um, so not hard alcohol. And I just had like yeah, one of those, yeah. and I didn't get drunk or anything, but. Uh yeah it was a good time overall though and then other than that more just 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 relaxing we went to the farmers market on Saturday mm. We've been making a little bit of a routine that there's a special dog treat stand that oh. Bruno is obsessed with. He's obsessed with. And I have to keep stocked up because he's on the medication now where I have to give him one or two. I went ramped it up back to two because he was getting pretty itchy from the allergies. And uh, he will just no, refuse is a dramatic word, but he will. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, essentially, uh, he'll just tongue it if he really doesn't want to. If he doesn't, if there's not a treat, if he knows he's not going to get anything. So I got to keep that on standby. <laughs> Um, and then there's the homemade pasta, which we got some homemade pasta there, and it was it was a unique kind. We had gone there and seen like this black pasta,
0: squid mm, like ink maybe. Yes,
1: that's exactly yeah, what it was. I've
0: had that in restaurants sometimes. Yeah,
1: yeah and uh, Christina had been wanting to try it for a while, but they were sold out. And then finally, they had some. We got it, and I wasn't the biggest fan. I wasn't the biggest, it tasted, I could, it tasted fishy. Like it had had a fishy aftertaste to me. Uh, it wasn't bad, but it, it was just not, you know, I, I like, I like pasta. I...
0: Yeah. You know, I've tried some of those different flavored ones that they'll have at like the farmer's markets and the street fairs and everything. And I mean, some of them have a little bit of a flavor, but I don't know. I kind of am a traditionalist when it comes to the
1: yeah. pasta. I'd rather have just like fresh pasta and then have the flavor be in the sauce.
0: Yeah. An interesting sauce. Or if it's like a ravioli, some interesting. Yeah. Yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like that. I love lobster ravioli. Yeah. Or, or what is it? The uh, squash. What is it? I can't.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. ravioli though? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah.
0: Butternut squash, that's it. It was a particular butternut squash, that's really good. Well, I haven't and like that. with a brown butter kind of sage sauce. It's
1: very Ooh. specific. It sounds like you have like a specific dish <laughs> at a <laughs> yeah, specific exactly. restaurant in mind.
0: Yeah, or actually we sometimes get it in the the uh, meal kits that we get, the gobble. Oh yeah, kits. yeah. Yeah, they'll have that sometimes.
1: Um, it was a good weekend overall though. The farmers market's always a good time. I always bring not always, but I've been bringing Bruno more recently. Mm-hmm. Just get him get him oh, some exercise. Yeah, exactly. Which can be Challenge at times, Um, but he does a fantastic job. He's dipping, ducking, and diving (laughs) with with all the people there. Um, Other people bring dogs. There was a dog there that had his service vest, and then when he saw Bruno, just went nuts. And. Bruno didn't react. like Yeah, Bruno
0: should snatch that vest.
1: uh, Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I was like, this is not a service dog. Are you kidding me? If he's, uh, you know, uh, freaked out by another dog, that's not Well,
0: especially Bruno, who's completely chill. (laughs) I mean, Bruno is a dog who is fit for, you know, public consumption. Yeah. He can go out in public and knows how to behave himself. And I mean, we would take him to restaurants and people didn't even know he was there most (laughs) of the time. I mean, as opposed to Bruno and, or Bauer and Ava, who'd be like snatching food off of other people's tables. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. Uh, and and the dog was going crazy and, and Bruno was just like so unfazed, like not even looking at him, just yeah. as disrespectful as you can, looking in the opposite <laughs> direction, wouldn't make eye contact. And people, one guy walked by and was like, wow, look at that little guy. He doesn't even care. So that was a nice little, uh-huh. you know, a little ego boost. And he always gets a ton of attention too, because he has such a unique look.
0: Yeah, he always does. I mean,
1: a, I would, I would argue every single time I take him out, at least two to three people will come up to me and ask him, what kind of dog is that? What what, what, what mix is that? And I always tell him German Shepherd Chihuahua because that's what I was told. I don't mm-hmm. think that necessarily no, is a truth. It's not, but. Probably picking each one, but you know, it's it's. I'm doing it for them because the excitement and oh,
0: wow, just the the, the the visions in their mind of how this could possibly exactly. occur, and yeah,
1: I'm doing them a service at that point. And I don't even want to get them DNA tested now either, because then right now I'm not lying to anyone, right? Well, like that's w- the
0: best of the information you are providing. <laughs>
1: exactly. If I get a DNA test and find out that that's not the case, then I am just blatantly lying, <laughs> and looking for attention. So I can't do that.
0: Well, I swear when you first got him, I was sure that part of the reason was that he he, he did get so much attention, especially from women when you were single. Yeah. <laughs> that was... Uh... A plus, I suspect.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, when I was getting a dog, I wanted a unique one. Like, I didn't want just a, a, a very typical Chihuahua or a French bulldog, like I was looking at Frenchies, but uh, one-of-a-kind, and he's definitely one-of-a-kind type of puppy. And also, like, the permanent puppy look, you you, you yeah, hear that thrown around sick. a lot. He—he, um, he, I tell people he's six years old, and again, they're shocked. They're like, what? He looks like a little, little puppy. Yeah. But he also has massive fucking feet on him, so <laughs> <laughs> big old stompers.
0: He is. He's sturdy. Sturdy, i like to say.
1: Good weekend overall, though. Um, Let's hop into it. Updates on cases.
0: So on the Boy Scout cases, there actually now is a deadline for submission of the claims. And for quite a while, there wasn't any deadline. Mm. And the problem with that is that there's 82,000 claims out there. And nobody can get paid until all of the claims come in and they review all of them, so that they can figure out what percentage each claim will get paid.
1: And and before before you keep going, though, I want to make sure that we clarify: the su- submitting a claim isn't necessarily someone reaching out to an attorney. And you know, letting them know that they have a case—that's filing a claim.
0: Yeah, no, that's already done. We already filed a claim, but now we have to submit on, on onto the online portal mm-hmm. all of the details of the claims so that they can actually be considered. And it's a little more complicated. We did have to already file the initial claim, but after that time, all of these uh, all of these documents got turned over from the Boy Scout and the various councils mm-hmm. and third parties. So now there's this big document portal, and we have to go in there and find any documents that support. Our individual clients cases. Mm. So this is a more um, robust, more detailed claim that has to get filed. And the, the, people have been filing claims all along, but there was absolutely no deadline. Yeah. And so it just seemed like, well, what the heck? I mean, we have absolutely no, you know, when people would say, when are they going to get paid? I have no idea. Because until there's a deadline yeah. and, and many people will wait until the end of the, you know.
1: Up- Why is that? I would imagine people, as soon as that opens up, that claim opens up, they want to get those, those claims in there so they can, can hopefully get the money faster.
0: I would think so. I mean, I was always a proponent of getting them done sooner rather than later. Um, but then some people have, you know, 20,000 cases, Yeah. you know, and so so it's going to take them a while. And then other people just kind of always, that that's that a personality type. They wait until <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> until the deadline is approaching and then they get inspired to get it done. Uh, I think I fall so. into
1: that personality <laughs> type, to be fair.
0: Well, some people function very well that way too. I mean, they need that kind of energy. So anyway, it's good news um, because it does mean that they're. There will be a cutoff, and that that at least um, an end is in sight. Yeah. So, um, so that's a very positive, but that literally email just came out this afternoon.
1: Very exciting. So when is the date that this? Oh, I didn't
0: say that, did I? May 31st.
1: May 31st. Yeah.
0: So, I mean, it's not right around the corner, but still, I mean, it's not like a year out or something along those lines. So that's, um, you know, I'm pretty optimistic. And like I said, people have been filing, file or submitting their claims, um, for months now, but this will actually just kind of put the, you know, the fire under the butt to get, get them all done and...
1: Well and it's also good for the clients like you said because otherwise you can't give them a time frame yeah. you can't say you know roughly around this these months or this year uh, and now with this time frame you can for the I'm sure people are always calling right like when they have a case yeah. and everyone's always curious and they, you know you hear a massive settlement about a Boeing plane door flying <laughs> off and you're like, wow when, now speaking of that, I have a claim out there when am I going to get my millions
0: Well there wasn't a settlement yet on the plane
1: no <laughs> that
0: would be really impressively fast though if it was yeah. yeah yeah well i mean we still don't know exactly the time but you know the problem is that there's little things will be in the news there was an issue recently about attorneys asking for fees and these are the attorneys who actually um, were working on the bankruptcy itself and i had a client contacting me and saying oh i don't understand why the attorneys are getting paid and I'm not and you know I needed to explain these aren't attorneys getting paid who are representing individual claimants, you know, we as an attorney representing claimant, we don't get paid until you get paid.
1: Yeah, I'm surprised they even found out about that. I mean, like, is that public, you know, is that going around on CNN that these lawyers are getting paid for the... Uh, bankruptcy case?
0: You know what I think it is, is um, people set these Google alerts now. Uh, And so it's like in all these, like in some little obscure financial, you know, (laughs) publication, they might talk about it or some legal publication. But because they have these alerts set, then they hear about it. And of course, they don't read the whole article or understand the details of it. They just call me. (laughs) Yeah,
1: they see it pop up on their phone, they see it. And before they even click on it, they already have you on speed
0: dial. (laughs) Pretty much, pretty much. Or email. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So anyway, so that's that. That's that's some good news.
1: Very good. Very good. Um, I I, I think it kind of makes sense, too, for people to be a little frustrated, I think, if they don't Mm -hmm. understand, right? Like, as a victim, and especially with a case like this, I, I would be frustrated as well if I felt like I was being tossed in the back of the line. Uh, but that's yeah. obviously not the case at all. It's just a misunderstanding.
0: Well, I think it's particularly difficult in this too, because these are abuse cases. And then exactly. they feel like now they're being abused by the system again. Um, and it was difficult enough to come forward and to talk mm-hmm. about these very difficult um, and, and traumatic experiences. And at, at the beginning, what we were telling people, because that was our understanding, was that because it's the bankruptcy, this is going to be a much quicker situation. The problem came in when the bankruptcy didn't get confirmed. Mm. And so then it was delayed and delayed and delayed. Um, So really, when we started um, taking these cases, I think it was 2019.
1: Wow, I didn't realize it was that long ago.
0: Yeah, yeah, in 2020, because, um, yeah, I think that the deadline closed in 2020. um, We thought it was going to be a quick turnaround. Yeah. Um, And so that's really frustrating, too. We gave the best information we could at the time, um, but unfortunately, it's not the way that it turned out. And, you know, again, this is dragged out, and some people have passed away. Um, you know, it's just, you know, one of the big downsides of, of, um, you know, when there's big delays.
1: Yeah. Situation, you know, I can't, can't shoot the messenger there.
0: (laughs) Well, hopefully not. Hopefully not. not.
1: What other uh, updates you got?
0: Um, so another big roundup verdict, um, and this is the biggest one yet, $2.25 billion for a single individual.
1: Wow. That is insane. And for, for what?
0: Well, for the non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. Ooh. So, yeah, I mean, it's basically the same situation that we've been talking about before. Um, but so, two hundred and fifty million was the comp- compensatory damages. 2 billion was a punitive. So again they're trying to hit the company big. And and just to clarify because I have had some comments on social media, you know, we talk about Monsanto and people said, "Oh, it's Bayer." Well, actually Bayer did acquire Monsanto, mm. but because Monsanto was the the entity at the time of most of these cases, the lawsuits will name Monsanto but Bayer is on the hook for
1: it. And so Bayer's so paying for these these damages.
0: Well they're not paying yet. They're going to appeal and appeal and appeal. And yeah. then a lot of these do get reduced by the judges um, on appeal or it was called remitter where they say that the <clears throat> amount of the punitives is too 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 much compared to the compensatory. So mm-hmm. sometimes these numbers get knocked down but the key is that it's a big message. It's a yeah, real- Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I was thinking is yeah. it gets them to shit the sheets a little bit. Like, holy crap, this could get real bad real quickly.
0: Well, it is. It has been. It has been bad. I mean, you know, it's it's. We, there was a the last couple ones were 3.5 million and 175 million.
1: Yeah, but that compared to 2.5 million for a single individual, I mean, that will turn some heads.
0: Yeah. Well, in this one, it was interesting because I was reading an article where they were talking about why, you know, opining about why it was such a crazy high verdict, and what they... They came to, or at least one opinion, was that it was a very educated jury. Um, And there were people with multiple um, advanced degrees and mostly college. Yeah. And it was really, which is not necessarily the case on juries. I mean, it's a jury of your peers. um, But a lot of times you see people who have, you know, these quote, big jobs or whatever, trying to get out of jury service and saying that they don't have time and they can't be bothered, blah, blah, blah. But um, they were people who really um, paid attention and who understood all of the scientific evidence that was submitted. Yeah. Um, but so I also think that's a really good sign that it wasn't just some, you know, crazy emotional reaction. It was, it, you know, it was a jury that actually looked hard at the evidence that yeah. was presented um, and got pissed off got really pissed off.
1: Yeah. I mean, they must have been. And and the jury situation is interesting because I think oftentimes, like you said, it's a jury of your peers and that's such a broad, general, <laughs> just vague statement. It's
0: rarely right? your peers. Yeah.
1: Well, and it's supposed to just kind of put a, a faceless person behind the, the juror Um, But I remember watching the OJ case, like both the more documentary series as Mm -hmm. well as the reenactment one. Um, And and the jury selection was a massive part of that entire thing. And it can make or break an entire case. And this is a good example of it. Um, making a breaking case.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, jury selection is always huge. I mean, in cases can get settled after jury selection. One side or the other is like, oh, shit, this is not going to go go well for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, but in this case, uh, yeah, I mean, that definitely pissed off. And, of course, uh, embarrassing is saying that they will be appealing, and I'm sure that they will. But, again, it's it's a, a big message that these aren't going well for them and that the jurors, when they do pay attention and they do understand the evidence, are getting furious Um, And this this one involved um, the guy was using Roundup starting in 2006 several times a year um, and estimated that he used it for about 30 times before developing the non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. And again, this was a residential use. So it's not a situation where somebody was, you know, in, uh, you know, a landscaping business, um, industrial type of situation where they used it every single day. He just used it several times a year for normal around the, you know, around the house. Uses, and that was enough to to uh, result in him getting this this uh, cancer.
1: Yeah, the the residential situation, I think, is. We, and we've talked about this before in previous podcasts, but the residential one is really scary. And especially when it's as few as 30 uses. Right, like over th- years. Over years, over years and years. And and that seems almost pretty pretty frugal because I know a lot of people are obsessed with their lawns, right? Like <laughs> they want to make sure everything's perfect. And uh, a few times a year is definitely reasonable and probably sounds about average, but I'm sure there's people that are doing it, you know, every mm-hmm. every two months, every three months, you know, something yeah. a lot more frequently. And maybe if... Certain seasons, they pick it up and they do it once a month. Um, So 30 uses, I mean, I could see you getting to that 30 mark really quickly. And that's just like... An average, right? Like you could develop it after 10, 15, 20 uses. There, there's no necessarily specific number of like, okay, once you hit this, it's bad.
0: Right, right, right. Absolutely. But in, in a lot of the people that we have seen have been, you know, where it's their job, where they actually are landscapers or people yeah. who are using it on a more regular basis. But quite a few of these cases, again, they're just individuals who are using it around, you know, to keep their yards looking nice. Um, and there was, has the big issue, of course, is that they didn't warn that this, mm-hmm. you know, household Product could 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 kill you.
1: Mm-hmm. And how many how many cases are out there, especially when it comes to residential? I mean, I would, I I I don't, I'm not sure because in, in my head, I wouldn't be, you know, going out and, and doing deploying that myself. That's just not something I'm <laughs> I'm super good at. But also, yeah. you know, the average. Uh, American white picket fence. I could see you know the dad of the the family household just that's part of their responsibility and that's what they do and it's just an everyday type of thing of managing that type of stuff.
0: yeah so there have been about a total of about hundred and sixty five thousand cases but there are only about fifty thousand that are pending now. and I don't know um, the distribution between residential and uh, you know and, and commercial. <clears throat> just from the numbers. Mm-hmm. Um, but the first, they there was a big settlement back in 2020 where most of the cases at that point were settled um, for a global settlement of 9.6 billion. But in that settlement, they did not get a settlement covering future Cases and so that's why cases are still being filed. There are still still about fifty thousand pending, um, and we are still taking cases if people have been diagnosed, um, you know, within the statute of limitations.
1: Well, and nine point six billion. I mean, that's a lot of money. But then you put in comparison of how this individual case got awarded two point five billion. Two point
0: two five. Yeah. Two point two
1: five. I mean, that's crazy.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's time to put another few billion into another settlement and take care of the rest of these and stop fighting them. Um, And you know Again, the more times they get slammed like this, the more likely it is to happen. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, we're optimistic that these things, um, you know, may move sooner than later.
1: Yeah. Well, Hopefully they do. And and like you said, we are still taking those cases and it's non-Hopkins lymphoma. And that's uh, one of those cases too, that there's just a direct correlation there, where if you're using the Roundup product and you're diagnosed with this very specific disease, then it is uh, a lot easier than some other cases where you kind of have to argue for a connection there.
0: Although to be fair, the defense has their expert witnesses who are testifying that there's no indication that this could be caused. But Again, the smart juries aren't buying that. Yeah.
1: So. Uh, these expert witnesses rolling up to the courtroom in a Lamborghini. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for Pay sure. Pay for They're, play, basically. There's, there's no connection here, I swear to God. <laughs> Big old diamond ring on his hand.
0: <laughs> uh, Bear pays well.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, what are, what are other updates?
0: Okay, so um, Philips, um, we've talked about the CPAP recall a number of times on the podcast. And they are now actually halting sales of their devices in the US. And this is part of an agreement with the Department of Justice. So they were recalling all of them, but they were still allowed to sell them. And at this point, they are not able to sell any more products in the US until they comply with all of the requirements and these guideposts that are set forth by the Department of Justice. And that includes... Includes demonstrating that their facilities are up to standards and meeting other regulatory requirements. And once they meet all of these requirements through the Department of Justice, then um, they're saying they were are hoping they will be able to sell in the United States again. They are still selling in other countries, um, but at least not the U.S. at this point.
1: Yeah, and not much we can do about the outside of the U.S., yeah. to be fair. Uh, you, you you mentioned, too, how these are being recalled. And I know in that situation, when they're being recalled, people could s- send in a, uh, not petition, but essentially file to have their device replaced. Yeah. Uh, are they still able to have their device replaced?
0: Yeah, no, it's actually a good question. And yes, they are. still servicing and providing replacement parts for the products, but they're not able to sell new devices. Um, And I'm curious as to, you know, what, how kind of, how big of an issue this is going to be, because they are definitely, they definitely have the significant market share in the U.S. Yeah, I was
1: going to say, I mean, they were the CPAP machine. Like if anyone was going to get one, they're more than likely 90%. Well,
0: 63%, it turns out. So it's 63% of um, the uh, the market. So there are some smaller players out there, and I suspect that those smaller players are probably pretty happy right now because, you know, again, this is a condition that affects so many people. Oh, yeah. And for for a variety of reasons, it's not going away, and people are desperate for these machines. And Mm -hmm. so um, I suspect we're going to see some of the competitors really doing well and probably stepping up and and meeting the the need.
1: I'm curious if this is going to be a situation almost like in line with Ozempic, where a lot of the issues with Ozempic didn't come up until there was just a massive growth and use of of Ozempic for, for, you know, obviously not the right reasons. Um, But I wonder if it's going to be a similar situation with these competitors where maybe they do have similar problems or different problems, uh, but they weren't uh, noticeable or people didn't realize it because they just didn't have that much market share. There weren't that many people using the product. And now with Philips uh, seizing sales and these other smaller players coming into the field and really picking up sales, if, you know, another issue may pick up or maybe even the same issue that yeah. uh, they didn't realize they also have.
0: Well, and the issue just kind of to recap is that the foam, um, it's the foam that keeps it quieter um, can be, can degrade when it's exposed to humidity and proper cleaning and other conditions. And so that foam breaks down and then it's inhaled um, through the machine. And so presumably these other companies didn't use the exact same type of foam, or if they have like Philips, they're not using that anymore.
1: Yeah. Yeah, hopefully. But I mean, it also seemed like phillips they didn't necessarily have a fix to it either. I mean, They
0: didn't. Yeah, yeah.
1: That's why they just kind of said, replace it once it gets to this date, or if you think it's deteriorating, you should replace it. And so I wonder if these other uh, competitors had a fix or have a fix, and maybe it's just under patent, and that's why Philips (laughs) didn't.
0: Yeah, I don't know. I I assume that they are using a different foam at this point, Mm -hmm. or just dealing with it being loud instead of... Quieter, but
1: comes comes with airplugs instead of
0: <laughs> just not the three M airplugs, please. <laughs> yeah, exactly.
1: Shit, what if it's both? My God,
0: <laughs> yeah. And just a kind of a, a recap: um, the cancers that there's a whole list of cancers that can be caused by um, this degrading foam. Um, some of them are lung, nasal, throat. Um, laryngeal, the ones that we would think of because that's kind of involving the airway. But then there's others, um, prostate, breast cancer, bladder cancer, liver cancer, pancreatic, kidney, stomach, and even testicular. So this, wow. you know, th- it's 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 systemic, you know, when you inhale this stuff, it can um, affect a lot of your organs. Yeah. So if you have used the, the product and you have been diagnosed with a cancer, it's worth checking and finding out if that is one of the cancers, even if you wouldn't initially think like, mm-hmm. wait a minute, why would, you know, Prostate cancer have anything to do with a breathing machine?
1: Yeah, I was gonna say any type of cancer. If you're using a CPAP machine or have any, just kind of like really severe, uh, uh, yeah, I mean,
0: upper respiratory issues, yeah, yeah lung infections, yeah, anything uh, yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah,
1: that it's, was, you might as well get it checked out because there might be a connection. Yeah. I remember when you first told me about this, you mentioned how some of the doctors or some of the victims had a, the doctors were finding within the victims that they had. Um, the f- black foam. like Yeah, just lining. like the
0: little black particles, they could find it, yeah. And that's
1: just yeah. so insane to me because I always imagine in situations like this, the material ma- material breaks down in some type of way and then it gets in the bloodstream and it's still harmful, but to think that it is staying as like a solid that is visible and is still just hanging out in your lungs.
0: Yeah, yeah. Crazy. Well, and I'm sure it's there, there. there's a whole variety of some that it's yeah. visible and, and probably most of it's not visible, um, but still definitely affecting people. So um, yeah, I mean, this one's been going on for quite a while. The recall was back in June of 2021 a lot of people are still stuck with their machines, have not been able to get them replaced. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and this may slow things down as well. Um, but, you know, safety first.
1: Yeah. And and like you said, too, is that it's such a prevalent product to be used. Yeah. Sleep apnea is so common. And, and originally I had thought that it was usually with, with heavier people, right? Like that's-
0: Some, uh, Sometimes. Yeah. yeah. So that is one of the, yeah, that, one of the risk factors.
1: Mm-hmm. And that was like kind of my, my base assumption of that would be when people- people Needed it. Uh, Burt Kreshner, I think, like I, I mentioned him as yeah. well last time, is he talks about using a CPAP machine all the time. So that's kind of where I got that connection. But when I was uh, went to a sleep doctor because I, I was just tired all the time, and I was wondering, and I looked it up, and apparently sleep apnea is just incredibly common, and mm-hmm. it's connected to you know being having fatigue, being lethargic, and, and not getting very good sleep, and all that. So it can literally anyone can can get yeah. in a situation where they need to use a CPAP machine and then end up stuck in a, in a situation like this.
0: Well, and the thing is that it's life-changing when somebody who has uh, has sleep apnea and may or may not have known about it, I mean, their life can change dramatically when they actually start getting good sleep. Yeah. I mean, that's one of the things. I mean, if you want to torture somebody, don't let them sleep. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's absolutely miserable and just affects your entire day and your life and all sorts of your your hormones, everything. So, um, so, so it's unfortunate because, like, like I said, people need this. I mean, it makes their lives better um, if it is a safe machine. Unfortunately, these particular ones with this foam are not.
1: Yeah, it's funny when you mentioned the the sleep, how like important it can be, and how how detrimental it can be to not get your sleep. Um, I saw somewhere too, where it's like the the U.S. Army didn't classify what is it denying sleep or uh, refusing sleep as like torture. Yeah. Um, and then there's there was like a massive Russian study way back in the day where they where scientists wanted to see well what happens if people don't sleep what 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 ends up happening after a few days after a few weeks, and so they just loaded up a bunch of, of Russians with just like methane amphetamines and whatnot and kept him up and then they ended up like killing and eating each other
0: well I go, just go crazy
1: no literally I mean, yeah, yeah yeah they were like hallucinating and just yeah, went on a rampage so uh if you want to avoid that and you need to be on a CPAP <laughs> machine then you're kind of in a pickle here
0: well you'll just have to go to one of the philo's competitors at this point <laughs> <laughs> there may be some bidding wars out there though for uh for what the ones that are available
1: uh, are there any other recall or sorry, any other updates for us today?
0: Yeah, so one more, and that is um, with regard to the Camp Lejeune suits, and we've talked about that. Um, the military bases in uh, North, uh, the Maritoli military base in North Carolina. Um, where veterans and their families were exposed to chemicals and again, a multitude of cancers and other um, medical conditions. Um, These cases have been going on for quite a while now, Um, but the judges, and and I think we also talked about the fact that there is like a a kind of a quick settlement option for certain conditions if you wanted to do that. Um, But the, the people who want to actually go to trial, the judge is now saying that it's looking like they'll start trials as early as April. Wow! So that's really pretty soon. Um, and the plaintiffs are pushing for um, a unique kind of trial. So instead of just one plaintiff, they would have five plaintiffs with different, different diseases so that that would give a good sample of, you know, what a jury would award for these different mm. um, conditions. Um, it's much more efficient that way. Yeah. Um, they're also talking about potentially moving forward, then dividing them into groups of people with the same conditions yeah. um, and getting the cases uh, before juries. Um, so
1: that that makes sense. I, I think it, it is good because it speeds up the process. Like you said, it's a much more efficient, but I'm also sure it raises the stakes quite a bit for both sides, the prosecution as well as the defense, because when you have a case where five people are all together and they all have different conditions, and those are going to be almost like the base expectations or, or what you're going to reference with future settlements. Those cases are even more important because if there's yeah. a really high settlement, then boom, you know, these other hundreds, thousands of cases look a lot better. If it's a really low settlement, yeah. then they don't look as good. I, yeah,
0: so I mean, that's just kind of the nature of multi district litigation, where you have you know all of these cases, um, and and so you know the plaintiffs want the really strong cases to go first because that you know, put some good numbers on the board, the defense wants a weaker cases, because that's going to, you know, make it look bad. So uh, yeah, which cases go first um, is is pretty important. Uh,
1: Well, and it goes back to what we were talking about with the 2 billion or 2.25 billion, uh, what's it called awarded damages, jury jury awards. And now it seemed like, you know, the guess was it was based off the jury. I mean, these cases, which, you know, you mentioned how important they are, the juries are even more important in these ones.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. But this is good news because, you know, there, again, this is one of those cases yeah. where there are so many people out there and it's like, how long is this going to take? When is it going to happen? And so this is a step in the right direction. Um, you know, the defense of course is saying that um, if we have to start doing these trials, that's going to kind of take our attention away from trying to put together a global settlement, you know, again, it's the government, they can come up with some more people to, they could, they could spread their, <laughs> their resources out to have people working on a settlement. Um, but, you know, it puts the pressure on for a settlement as well. So, yeah. well,
1: and all these people are veterans or family members of yeah. veterans, right? Because, I mean, it is Camp Lejeune. It was based off of or it was focused on an Air Force base, I believe, um, in the area and the damages that were attached to living in that area. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's good that it's um, speeding up and looks like things are going to get started real very, very quickly. And I'm sure that clients are going to be happy to be hearing that as well.
0: Yes, yes. Everybody wants these things to get started. Get, uh, Get resolved.
1: What uh? What do you want to go on to next?
0: So recalls. Um, there is a, another. A, well, it's very specific recall with regard to the Takata airbags, and this is this has been going on for a number of years. We've known that these airbags were dangerous. Takata went bankrupt over it, um, but there is a a very recent warning specific to certain. Toyota vehicles. And it's a a really serious warning where it's a stop driving immediately. Like like don't even drive your vehicle to the repair shop. Yeah, have it towed. I mean, it's very serious. Um, It's about 50,000 vehicles. So it's not a whole lot. Um, and it's some older vehicles, but as they've gotten older, they're saying that um, these could just explode without even, you know, without impact. Um, and kind of the way the airbag works is that um, there's, a, there's a little, um, there's a part that, that ignites inside, and what happens is it can just explode no. without any impact, and it shoots sharp metal fragments Um out. Oh and so people have God. died or been really seriously injured. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, I was thinking it was just going to be you're driving and the airbag goes off with no. you, which is horrendous enough in itself. But the it's shooting shrapnel. I mean, that is like a, a pipe bomb going off in your car.
0: Well, and most cars have these things. Um, but, you know, there are certain and, and they're more right now they're trying to replace all of them and they're trying to focus on the areas that are at highest risk. And so those are like the southern states and the and the, the especially like the uh, southeastern states where it's um, hot and damp. Um, but these vehicles, um, so it's older ones, they're 2000. 2000- Three to 2004 Corollas, uh, and 2003 to 2004 Corolla Matrix, and then 2004 and 2005 RAV4s. So it's older vehicles, and again, that's part of the issue with this, but it people are dying and getting seriously injured as a result. And so this is like the highest type of a recall where they say, do not drive, mm-hmm. you know, You've got to deal with this immediately. Um, and so if you do have one of these older vehicles, um, you can go to the the, NH, the National Highway Transportation Safety, NHTSA, um, their website, uh, put in your vehicle ID. Um, you can also go to, so toyota.com um, backslash recall or nhtsa.gov backslash recalls. Um, you can also um, call Toyota. There's a, it's called a, um, Brand engagement center,
1: mm-hmm.
0: but you know, again, if you have one of these vehicles, it's really, really critical that you take this seriously because people have have died.
1: Mm-hmm. And and we'll put those links in the bio um, in case you know you do own those vehicles and you want to take a look at that. You definitely should. And this is Toyota Tacata, right?
0: Well, Takata is the brand, is the name, is the manufacturer of the airbag. So okay. it's just the one piece of the Toyota. Yeah. So it's, so it's any
1: it's, Toyota car.
0: Well, so most there are Takata airbags in most of the vehicles, but they're not not in all of. They're not worried about all of them just exploding without any impact. They're trying to get all of the Takata airbags uh, switched out, but they're prioritizing the ones that they think are most at risk. And this is very limited. This is for 2003, 2004 Corollas and Corolla Matrixes. Oh, okay. Okay. And 2004 to 2005, RAV4s. So it's a small group. It's 50,000 vehicles. Yeah. But um, but these are really, th- these are the ones that they're particularly concerned will just explode. Mm-hmm. Um, and like I said, there have been a number of deaths. Um, I think there's been 26 people actually killed. Jesus. Um, yeah. And over 400 that have been seriously injured
1: well and you mentioned that this is one of the most serious recalls that that kind of exist here right where it's just don't don't drive it get, get the car to us we'll fix it but whatever you do don't get in there don't turn it on don't don't go anywhere uh how how do they get information like this out in general not even just in very specific situations like this with toyota's or with cars takatas or takata airbags sorry but in general, because as much as I would have loved to assume most people watch this podcast, you know, we, we got a very fantastic little fan base. But um, I, there's obviously going to be a lot of people that are driving these cars that are at risk that don't see this. How are they expected to be aware?
0: Well, Toyota… If they know who the owners are, they're obligated to notify. But again, this is like one of the situations where, you know, if something gets, you, get, you know, gets sold and yeah, depending Craig's on the list, transfer and I mean, yeah, so that's not ideal. Um, they do have to publish it. Um, and, uh, and again, NHTSA um, also, um Puts Who was on the
1: NHTS? Like, what, well, what I do, one?
0: or you know, like, okay, it, yeah. but and again, and it will be on the news. But it's 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 one of those things where maybe it's on the Today Show for thirty seconds, and you yeah. happen to be you know in the bathroom or getting a snack yeah. when that's happening. Um, yeah, so it so it is problematic.
1: Well, it's just crazy because I can talk about Q-tips once in front of my computer and all of a sudden I'm getting 15 Q-tip advertisements on YouTube. So why? Yeah, why is it? Yeah.
0: (laughs) So it seems like if the the
1: people selling stuff are taking advantage of of
0: that technology, then the good guys should as well.
1: Yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, things just don't work that way.
0: (laughs) Of course not. Of course not. So anyway, if you have an older Toyota, check it out. Um, and, and, get that fixed
1: for sure, for sure, for sure. And do you want to go over the mics and models again, just in case, uh, anyone is, has dinner or, or might have not, not caught that.
0: Sure. So it's 2003 and 2004 Corollas and Corolla matrix, mm. and then 2004 and 2005 RAV4s. Yeah.
1: Definitely reach out to the, uh, Toyota and, and, or click the links in our bio and, and, check that out. What do you want to go on to next?
0: Okay, so um, as far as cases we're handling, I thought we could talk a little bit about um, the transvaginal mesh cases. Mm-hmm. And you know these cases, we haven't talked about them, and primarily the reason that we haven't talked about them is that most of the cases have been resolved. Um, and these were actually filed um, in West Virginia federal court, and these were cases that I was very actively involved in. Um, we had hundreds of clients, um, and and honestly, it's it's a lot of the reason why I'm you know semi-retired and you know not not working a hundred percent at this point, um, because these cases were they were just horrendous cases, um, and the the payouts were very significant. Um, these were not small settlements because the injuries were not small. They were very significant cases. Um, But the MDL did shut down in 2018, and so we haven't really talked about it too much, but the reality is that these cases are still being filed. People are still experiencing problems with the product, and you still can file a lawsuit. It's just that you don't have that option of entering, of participating in a global settlement because that, that ship has sailed. Yeah. Um, but the, a lot of people couldn't have participated because they hadn't started experiencing symptoms and been diagnosed with a condition no. until after that. People are getting diagnosed currently and people are actually still getting this product implanted jesus i know i was just i was actually traumatized because a friend of mine um i just found out like in september she had texted on a group text that she had just had the surgery and she was so excited And i was like oh my gosh you know i'm not gonna say anything at that point because yeah you know but i mean it's it's very unfortunate um but just so a little bit about it, it, it it's a mesh that is used for pro, uh, pelvic organ prolapse or stress urinary incontinence. And so there was a while there where women were just getting them right and left and doctors were promoting it. Uh, gynecologists were saying, oh, you know, you pee when you sneeze. Well, we can fix that. Um, You know, you don't need to have that problem or, oh, you're in the bouncy house and you pee a little bit. Oh, let's fix that with surgery. Um, And they were making it sound like it was no big deal. Um, But the problem, and this is very similar to with hernia mesh, is that you put this mesh product, it's polypropylene again, um, you put this into the body and it can break down, it can degrade, um, it can bunch up, scar tissue um, starts to form around it. and, And it's at a very sensitive area. And we were having cases, I mean, women who had surgery after surgery and the uh, the doctor would go in and try and take out as much scar tissue, try to remove the, the uh, mesh, but sometimes they couldn't. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they try and take out scar tissue. But what happens when you do that? You develop more scar tissue. And so, I mean I, I mean, I had clients who, I mean, their lives were just destroyed. I mean, first of all, they could never have sex again, um, but they were just in constant pain, um, oftentimes couldn't sit. For periods of time, they were in so much pain. Um, I mean, just really debilitating. I mean, divorces, a whole nine yards. And and you know, and some younger women, this is not all. Um, you know, pelvic organ prolapse. You start thinking it's it's significantly older women. But you know, with the stress urinary incontinence thing, people who'd had you know even one baby sometimes yeah. were having those
1: issues. Jesus, yeah. I mean, those. The I, I remember when these were first picking up for a while, and it mm-hmm. was. And it was really big. uh, And I'm surprised. That's shocking that they are still using this product. I mean, after all of this and the fact that, I mean, okay, sure, maybe the business is slimy and shitty and they're like trying to, again, squeeze money out. But I mean, how is no one putting their foot down in the government saying, like, look at how horrific these damages and an impact to these victims lives it's been and then continuing to do it it's just insane to me
0: well so the fda first issued a public health notif- notification back in october of 2008 but then in july 2011 they actually issued a safety warning said so that the circumstances had changed and that serious complications were now considered to be quote not rare so initially what was happening was saying you know oh well every- everything there can be complications but there it's very rare it's very unusual then by 2011 enough people were having this implanted and having, you know, and reporting problems that the FDA came out and said, look, it's not rare. But you know what we found is that some of these doctors were just, you know, oh, well that's not the way I put it in, it doesn't cause a problem. And this is the gold oh, standard sure. and we love this and we stick by it. I mean, there were gynecologists, and, and again, there are gynecologists who are still doing it. And the point and, and so in in these circumstances now they need to be warning. About the risks. That's
1: not even just a warning. I mean, throwing out a warning is one thing. It's not like you're you're buying a an energy drink and it says, "Hey, don't drink caffeine if you have a heart problem." It's it, this is this is horrific. This is like serious, life threatening, life changing uh, right. con- conditions, and and doctors that are just ignoring these warnings. Again, like they throw out a warning. Obviously, the doctors aren't doing anything. It it almost seems on the verge of criminal to knowingly to know that there's these risks that you have. The federal government telling you that there's these risks and just blatantly ignoring them.
0: Well, to be fair, not everybody does have complications and there are people who will say I had it done and it was great and I'm perfectly happy and I haven't had symptoms. But again, you know, it, 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 this is not something where people necessarily would have symptoms even within the first couple of years. It can be years down the line by the the time that the thing degrades and starts causing issues. So yeah, I mean, I personally am horrified that doctors are even still doing it. And and again, now, because there are other ways to treat pelvic organ prolapse, which you actually do need to treat. I mean, they, they had ways to treat it before this mesh. The problem is, it's a more extensive surgery. Um, it's a lot more complicated for the doctors. It's a, it's a, it's more of um, a recuperation for recovery period for the, the for the uh, patient. Um, but you know, it doesn't involve putting a foreign body uh,
1: yeah, into. Pepylene, propo, it was. Polypropylene. Polypropylene, propylene. Yeah, I'm not going to get. Yeah,
0: that. I mean, this just this shit just should not be put in bodies. Well, no, it shouldn't what? be for hernias. It should certainly not be, um, you know, for for these conditions either, and especially not stress urinary incontinence. I mean, you know, it's not ideal, but again, it's not life. You know, well, I mean, maybe it depends on how bad it is. If it's life altering, but you know, again, it's I I would rather you know pee a little bit sometimes, then, you know, have my life ruined. <laughs> that's just like
1: a scary nightmare weekly for me. I mean, come on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. i, I got to do the sheets weekly at this point. Now, I, I mean, I understand like everyone's situation is completely different, but I think like you mentioned that there are other measures that can be done here. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what makes it so infuriating is that this product that has there's, there's evidence, there's proof, there's warnings out there that it is causing these insane, terrible damages to these victims and that the substance is known to not be healthy, not be okay to be in the body. And yet people are still ignoring these warnings and forcing it through because yes, maybe some people it helps and it doesn't have any side effects. Maybe those same people will have side effects and have damages in the future, but either way, there is better ways of going about it.
0: Well yeah I mean there are d- definitely different ways of going about it and people should really understand just how significant the the, the side effects can be yeah. and how many people have suffered from it and you know quite frankly at this point I mean this was one of the largest multi-district litigations in history over a hundred thousand cases wow. um, yeah I mean so a lot of people know about it the doctors know about it and they need to be giving you know really good information and not just downplaying it because so often you'll see people talk about oh you know XYZ can happen blah, blah 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 you know they just rattle it off but oh none of my patients have ever had that happen yeah. or you know very few people do have it i mean now the fda is saying it's not rare so they can't say it's rare
1: <laughs> well I, at the end of the day i think the responsibility lies on the doctor i mean i know it relies on the victim if or on, on the patient if they're told all the side effects but like you said they can just rattle it off and and most times you know it's like the authoritative, authoritative figure if they tell yeah. you that it's they're okay or they haven't had any bad experiences and it could happen they haven't seen it, you're going to be like, oh, okay, well, if you think it's best and it's you know not really that that common or whatever it is, which obviously they can't say now, but yeah. still, I, I think the doctors really have a, a moral obligation to put their foot down at some point. Mm-hmm. I think it is good though that uh, these cases are still being accepted. I know it, it it's almost bittersweet to where if you have a case, you can't put it into this this massive uh, you know lawsuit multi. Uh, I already forgot.
0: Multi-district the, litigation. Multi, yeah, yeah,
1: you can't put it into multi-district litigation, but they're not also mm-hmm. not leaving them out to dry and saying, you know, these, we understand that these damages can develop over long periods of time. And just because, you know, yours didn't develop in this very specific time period, you still are entitled to at least make well, it.
0: Yeah, compliant. I mean, you have a right to make the claim. And, you know, and, and when I was handling these cases, most of my clients did resolve their cases through the the various uh, global settlements and there were several different manufacturers, but several of them, um, the offers weren't sufficient and they were litigated. Um, And actually the last one did just settle um, recently you know, and again, very, very significant numbers, it's confidential, Um, but, you know, they were very significant settlement and it was because it was getting ready to go to trial. And so at that point, you know, the plaintiff did have to go through the deposition. Um, It it wasn't just the simple, you know, the quick and easy settlement. Yeah. Um, But, you know, that being said, most cases do settle before trial. Mm -hmm. And so if you do, if you have suffered injury from a transvaginal mesh, it is still something that you can pursue Um, It's just, you know, again, it's not in a multi-district litigation, um, but they are being litigated and they are being resolved. And, you know, very, very, you know, the cases that are actually going to trial are still, you know, hitting multi-million dollar verdicts. There was one, um, 57.4 million, um, yeah, 50 million in punitive damages.
1: Wow, 50 million impunitive. I mean, it really speaks to just the gravity of some of these damages. And uh, I think it probably adds on to how difficult it may be for victims to to come forward. I mean, with something this this big and this life altering, I can imagine it just being a a difficult thing. And and Uh, maybe even. Such hard cases. Overwhelming. So um, just
0: really, really hard cases. And uh, I mean, you know, just in in our clients, I mean, we saw so many people who ended up um, getting divorces. Um, you know, and again, you get even if you have this huge settlement. I mean, you're still in pain every single day of yeah. your life. You're still very limited in your activities. Um, you know, it's it's not it's not about the money for sure.
1: Well, we are kind of coming to, to near the end of the show. I do want to make sure we touch on some some interesting cases in the news. Um, I know we've kind of been running a little bit long these last few weeks, haven't been able to touch on too much. Is there anything you want to go over before we do get into the interesting cases?
0: Uh, no, I think we can pop right in because I have one that was particularly interesting to me. I don't know why particularly, um, but um, a grandma who was eaten by an alligator in Florida.
1: Jeez, grandmas are just getting it bad these days, huh? Right? First a Christmas tree, now an alligator. That's great. The no, board.
0: run over by the reindeer. Grandma got run over by a reindeer.
1: Reindeer, and then the woman got knocked over or crushed by the Christmas tree. Christmas tree. I don't know if she was a grandma though. Oh, well, for this situation, <laughs> we'll say she was. It goes with Poor the joke.
0: grandmas. Yeah, no, but this is, you know, it's interesting because you hear these stories in Florida about people getting attacked by alligators. Um, and this is actually a lawsuit um, uh, involving a woman who was um, walking her dog in her retirement community. And she'd lived in this uh, retirement community for many years. Um, and she was walking by this retention pool. And the alligator lunged out um, and actually pulled her in and killed her, an oh, 85-year-old woman. God. Yeah.
1: I was going to say, are you suing the alligator and his family? I don't
0: well, think... actually, this the lawsuit is against the um, retirement community. Oh, that and makes it's, sense. Yeah. And so it's you know like a premises case, basically, because they knew that there was a dangerous condition and they failed to warn about it. Um, and so under Florida law, they call it um, a nuisance case. Um, they were nuisance alligators. Which...
1: Yeah, I was going to say, our nuisances don't uh, get to that level of alligator attacks. I would imagine, you know, a sound nuisance, right? Someone's playing music too. Yeah,
0: yeah, like a nuisance, yeah, like dog barking or something that's mildly irritating, not like, you know, a ferocious death machine that like <laughs> yeah. lurches out of, you know, the, the, the water and... Pulls you in. The swamps. Yeah, exactly. Alligator. Um, and and so, in fact, what they were saying is that they, they knew that these alligators were there and they didn't do anything about it. And I'm assuming, again, I'm not from Florida, but, you know, I know here we have like rattlesnake catchers and relocators. So I'm assuming that there must be some <laughs> business in Florida that relocates alligators. Uh,
1: alligator wrangler. Right, right. Well, isn't there... Um... The, the your Australian friend.
0: Crocodile Cowboy.
1: Crocodile Cowboy. We need some croc- alligator crow- cowboys, actually. Yeah. We need some alligator cowboys. Um <laughs> Yeah. I mean, that is insane. I, 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 it makes sense that the retirement home is being pursued for this and it is, I, I mean, you know that there are alligators on the premises that you know that there's this risk. And then especially with a retirement home where, you know, the elderly are very defenseless. There's not much, I mean, I think everyone's defenseless to a certain extent to an alligator, but especially elderly where it's yeah. just like they fall over and, It's a tough day, but alligator attacks. I mean, that's... It's
0: hard to to fight them all.
1: Yeah. Yeah, That's more than just pressing a panic button or yelling, I've fallen and I can't get up.
0: Yeah. Well, you know, a few years ago, I went to Orlando with Peter. He had um, a medical meeting. And so I went along with him and I was walking around at the resort and they had these signs, you know, that there may be alligators and to steer clear. And so why, you know, and this is kind of the opposite. I guess they were encouraging people to socialize and hang out in this area they, right next to
1: the pond. <laughs> Seriously, <laughs> these yes, alligators are so engaged.
0: They're saying well, they were actually told to socialize, to go by this ret- retention pond.
1: Uh, There's like, oh, go get some uh, fresh juice right next to the sunbathing alligator.
0: (laughs) I mean, the perfect place to walk your dog, which is another thing, which, you know, I always hear and see these things, the horrible things on social media and and hear about people walking their dogs and alligators like trying to snatch the dogs. But why, you know, in this situation, why wouldn't you take like the...
1: It's a bold alligator. Right? I mean, (laughs) you have a free meal in front of you, but then you take the full course gourmet, uh, you know, good. Elderly person.
0: Well, yeah, the I main course. Uh, I mean, when you could, but I mean, and, and and that's more likely to get you kicked out of there as well. I mean, if a dog here or there.
1: <laughs> no one's gonna probably... bat an eye. <laughs> well, you... they might bat an eye, but <laughs> no, you take one grandma down, and boom, <laughs> evicted. You're done. So, yeah.
0: so they'll have to get the alligator wranglers. So anyway, not to. I mean, it's not funny. It's horrifying. Um, but uh, but but yeah. I mean, it's it's definitely you know one of those situations. It's a, a premises liability, and in if an owner of a premises knows or should know about a dangerous condition, they have to either fix it, i.e. remove the alligators, or or warn about it and they didn't do least, either of these
1: Least of all here. recommend to go near that dangerous <laughs> situation or dangerous animal. Yeah,
0: put up some fences. I don't know. I mean I, I don't know how you contain at alligators. At least put up
1: like a little bit of uh, like chicken wire. I mean yeah. I mean make at
0: least them... make it difficult. Make it, <laughs> yeah, you know, make a them work for his meal. Shit. Yeah. But you know, I think it's I mean, again, I'm I've visited Florida a number of times and, and we've actually gone on the alligator tours. But it's really interesting there's actually I mean, alligators just like stroll across highways. It's like here stuff. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, coyotes usually are scared of us.
1: I'm placed. more worried about the, uh, was it not anacondas? Is it anacondas? Oh, the
0: big snakes. Yeah, yeah.
1: Those massive ones where, which is insane to me that they're invasive species. Oh yeah. It was just course. someone brought it over, I think from like Asia or something. And it just so happened Florida was literally the perfect atmosphere and environment. They fit right in. Yeah. And then they became like the alpha predator where they're just uncontrollable and they, I'm pretty sure there's like bounties on killing yeah,
0: them. Yeah, yeah. You can make money. And there was like some, some comedy movie about that. I forget what it, the name of it um, about, you know, somebody who was like down and out. And so they decided to make money. They were going to, be, you know, become these snake hunters yeah. and they're huge. I mean, they're just humongous.
1: Yeah. There was, I think there was one Asia country, maybe it was India um, where they were paying, they're doing that where they were paying for, for heads of, of these snakes mm-hmm. and, People realized that they can make a living by actually breeding the snakes. Oh
0: my god! And then
1: and then killing them and then giving them to the government. And the government realized that and like put in a bunch of restrictions. But what ended up happening is that like by the time they put in the restrictions, there's already all of these farms up and running. Oh my god! And so it ended up making the problem worse. Worse,
0: just now they can't get money them, so, so they might just, well just
1: release them the, exactly.
0: Oh, okay. I'm not, I'm not retiring to Florida. I'll just say.
1: No. Well, at least if you do make sure they have some anti-alligator fences around.
0: Well, so I actually am getting ready to go to Tampa. Mm. Yeah. Uh, I was leaving on the 8th and um, I actually, well, I, I'm assuming that the resort does not have alligators, but we're talking about doing some uh, paddle boarding and that sort of thing. So
1: I will definitely, Look at your face. Yeah, I mean, I, it just seems like you're asking for.
0: What's Florida? You're supposed to be in the water. That's the point of going there,
1: right? Yeah, but paddleboarding the deep end, just 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 hang out near the shore, you know. And it, well, it's an ocean, right? You're paddleboarding in the ocean. Well,
0: I don't think so.
1: Where this resort? Just go is. to the Everglades, right? Uh, Fuck it. No. <laughs>
0: I hope, I hope not. You well, have the
1: alligator uh, <laughs> tourist crew going right next to you as your paddleboard waving <laughs> with by those fan boats. Yeah,
0: no, but actually, but you're saying about being out in the deep end, but you know this ladies, I mean they obviously come up to the shore and snatch you, so you can well, be sunbathing he, and get snatched.
1: Are alligators see seawater? Like I thought it was more like ponds and and swamps, not yeah, the ocean. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I don't think they're like. No, that's sharks.
0: Wet. The sharks are out in the ocean, and these are more in the swamps and inland waters. I guess I get no, I'm not an alligator
1: expert. Uh, I'm, I would say maybe just stay away from water. Who knows? All it's, right, stick well. to the heated pools of the resort.
0: All right, we'll see. I'll let, I will let uh, you know.
1: Do you want to go into to one more interesting case before we close up?
0: Oh, actually, the next one's going to take a while, so I think we might be save that for for uh, next
1: week. Okay, unless, perfect. Unless
0: you really want me to dive in, we can.
1: That's no, all right. It's all right. Speaking of next week, we do have a very special episode. It's Valentine's. Uh, happy Valentine's early for everyone. Make sure that you have your reservation set because things are very <laughs> chaotic. I may have made this mistake once or twice in the past. Maybe. Not uh, making the reservations in time. It is the biggest day of the year for that type of stuff. Um, me personally, I'm probably going to be making dinner for Christina because nice. I think... I prefer that. I don't like going out when things are crazy busy. I think it's a little bit more romantic. It shows a little bit more effort, as well as you know, you save some money too. So it's really winning on all fronts.
0: Well, you don't have to save money. It depends on exactly what you're cooking, and <laughs> True. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. don't
1: right. let her tell you that. <laughs> don't, don't let you, don't let her hear that. Uh, anyways, um, more for the present. We'll be having a very exciting episode. Just some more interesting cases. Some some significant other. Um, lawsuits and, and criminal things, and whatnot. So definitely, yeah. come hang out with us for that one.
0: Well, we're going to talk about um, kind of Valentine's hazards and love gone wrong lawsuits. So love
1: gone wrong lawsuits. Yeah,
0: when the law gets involved in love, it'll be well, perfectly appropriate. And we'll even wear red and have some decorations. I think. Well,
1: we we'll hope to see you there. Um, if you have any questions or concerns, or maybe a story that you want us to touch on mm. on the podcast podcast definitely throw it down in the comment section and if it's something you don't want to throw out in the comment section out in public or maybe you don't want to spoil it for any of the viewers you can also email us podcast at showeredlaw.com um, you can find us on tiktok instagram youtube wherever it may be facebook we get a lot of action on facebook our facebook clips have been doing pretty well and we appreciate the support wherever you can give it um, but with that being said i hope all of you have a fantastic week and we'll see you next time prioritizing profit. prioritizing profit. prioritizing profit. dangerous
0: drug and product cases